Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me writer Eleonora Mignoli. Thank you. Hi. I got in touch with you because you wrote a beautiful uh, short summary on Twitter called 10 Things I Wish They'd Taught Me in Film School, which I thought would make a fascinating conversation on on the BritFlix podcast, um, which we'll go through, and we'll do it in the five-by-five-minute format. You've kindly paired things up into into packages of two. But before we go into that, do you want to talk about what you've been doing as a writer of late and work and what work's been picking up? Or, you know, you've got a commission for a feature film, you've got a co-written feature in advanced stages of finance. Do you want to tell us what's been happening? Yeah. So, uh, well, 22 has been a pretty good year for me. Good. Uh, I got commissioned, as you said, uh, for a drama feature by a company called Odelife Films. And it was a very sort of like nice experience, you know, when you just like click with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last year also, I was sort of like approached by another company, which is called Paguro Films. Uh, and uh, I co-wrote on a film that has already been on the Biennale College program and the European General Forum. Excellent. And so uh, they are like in the financing paper is direct. There is like actors. So it is really cool. It's really cool project and there is another one that um i uh, well i can't really talk about that much but you know touch wood that that's another commission that might happen um and you know that's something that you might people might see <laughs> before i get like white hair uh in the television <laughs> so <laughs> but you know you know the industry never i do i do never it's... certain you know so we, we don't know uh and i just want to say kind of like give a little bit of a shout out because um, I was selected for uh, two talent schemes this year. Uh, one is the Sirimania's Writers Campus and the other one is Future Film. Uh, and I think they were both really, really good uh, programs with amazing people. And uh, Future Film is pretty new. Um, and uh, Sirimania is not really well known in the UK. So Where is that one? Is... So it's in France. It's basically the biggest... Um, Festival of TV shows in Europe, like okay. you know, Europe, Brexit Europe. Uh, and um, it, they're both really cool. It, it's been really amazing to be part well, what's, of what, what, And what is the future one? Where's that one at? Uh, so it's called Future Film Incubator. Um, mm. And it's really about sort of what the name is. So uh, VR, virtual production. So there were like 16 projects selected to be part of the incubator mm. um, I was one of those. Um, and where, where's that? Where's and that one? Where's that based? That's that's in London. Okay. Uh, I mean, we did a lot of like sessions online, so it was very inclusive, cool. uh, and it was just like a wonderful experience. So you know, just putting it out there. <laughs> for well, people. thanks for sharing all that with us. That's very very good. Um, so let's get on to 
the 10 things I wish they'd taught me in film school. And like yeah. I say, we're going to do it in the five times five minute format. So you've, like I say, mm-hmm. you've kindly paired them up. So for those that haven't heard this format before, um, at the end of five minutes, there'll be an alarm and that will sound like this. So then we'll, we'll clear, we're clear that time is up. Um, it's just a, it's just a polite reminder for us to, to end that section and move on to the to next one. It's not a, it's not a shut up uh, message. It's just that I'm a terrible host and I'd rather use a passive aggressive tool of an alarm than I would try and stop someone talking. Um, so without Which further way? ado, um, well, before, does that all clear to you? Yes. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Good. Well, let's start at the top. We've got, you've paired up. Networking is a long-term gain and getting an agent is just the first step on the ladder. So what is it about those two elements that, that you, that you yes. wish they taught so, you from school? Uh, I'm just going to say something uh, before I start, which is basically one of the reasons I wrote this list is because uh, it's been like 10 years since I did film school. Okay. And I thought it was kind of like a good a good time to reflect on what I learned. So, sure. you know, this is what how the list came about. Uh, considering those two sort of suggestions, I think they are like the biggest takeaway sort of that um, I, I have from my experience. Um especially the networking one. So my experience was that when I started out uh, trying to be a writer, a paid writer, um, I knew that like people are really, you know, who um, give you the chances to uh, be successful and, you know, to have jobs. Uh, but what I did not expect was somehow I how long it was going to take, you know, um, to build those not only the network, but also the relationship with those people. Uh, because at the beginning, you tend to go and I tend to go to networking and maybe pitching myself very hard and trying to talk about my projects. Uh, and then there was this level, a little bit of level of disappointment at the end of the day when I was starting out. Mm. Uh, because, you know, you do all of these events and then you come home and nothing happens. Uh, but what happened to me is that I tried to stay in touch with people. Uh, and then maybe two years down the line, three years down the line, something comes up and that person either gives you a job or, you know, uh, knows somebody that they put you in touch with. And because you've stayed in touch with that person, they stop sort of seeing you as somebody who wants something from them. Mm-hmm. And now they see you as somebody that has shown, the you know, they showed that they are very determined and very serious about this industry, right? Yeah. And what they want to do. So I think if you start out networking and you approach people, not with the idea of pitching something to them, but with the idea that, okay, this is the first step in a very long relationship. That is what's gonna, that's what's going to make it less frustrating for you to start with. And maybe even kind of like better in the long run. Mm. Uh, because the, so... Okay, so this is and other thing about the agent, it's very much connected to this. So um, I got my agent, I think, a couple of years ago now, and we have a lovely relationship. Uh, and it definitely changes changes thing. I think, you know, it's true that when you get an agent, doors that were like really closed before they suddenly open up. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you still have to do a lot of work. You still still have to hustle. You know, what you have now is an ally, basically. Uh, if if you got a good agent, this is a person that's going to support you. Uh, I'm talking UK agents, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Not US. It's a little bit different. Um, 
So they're going to especially support you in your contracts. They're going to try and send you out to people. But at the same time, again, things take time. You, they might get you 15 general meetings that you could have not gotten before by yourself mm-hmm. uh, with like important companies. But this general meeting is not just going to be, you know, you're going to have this person in your agenda now so you can sort of get back to them. But it's going to take a lot of time again. So it's a lot of work. It's still a lot, a lot of work. It's just like, I mean, some people are really lucky. They get an agent, they sell the script, they become super famous, and their career is launched. Um, But for like, Human, normal human being, <laughs> it you know, in my and I think it's safer maybe to see it as, as a bit of a like longer route and then be surprised by how quick things are going and how successful you are. Then sort of expect to, uh, you know, the moment you get an agent, bam, you're into a writer's room. I remember, I'm, I won't name get, the agent because it's not, I, I, I'm not sure if it was exactly him, but I remember having a chat with, with an agent about this and he was saying that, you know, what a lot of writers don't always understand apart from like there's obviously going to be the lottery winning things where someone's got a sellable script it goes to market it sells and everyone's happy but for most agents taking on a writer that was unrepped before it's a two to three year period before they even see a return so they're taking a gamble on you as much as you're taking a gamble on yourself for your writing career so this is why it's it's difficult to it's almost like this is why it's difficult to get an agent because it's it's still work for them. It's not like they've got the door held shut until you no. arrive. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know what? Oh, I forgot. I wanted to say something. I forgot. But yeah, definitely. That that's it. Well, there we go. That's five minutes. Good. Cool. Right on time. The second pairing that you've given me is working in development is probably the best day job for a screenwriter, and coping with rejection (brackets or silence) is the most important skill you'll have to learn. Tell us more. So I'm going to start from the second one because it's it's very simple, but I'm, you know, it's just like so hard. Uh, and it's, you know, uh, it's been probably one of the hardest thing I had to learn in this mm. industry. And like everybody that I talk to, they, all the other writers that I talk to, they sort of like have the same issue, especially at the beginning, which is people, People that are like sort of um, in the industry, let's say, you know, development execs and producers, they're very busy. Mm. Like they have crazy inboxes, you know. So it is unfair, but it's also the reality of it that when you, especially when you're starting out and you're reaching out to people, they can either never get back to you. uh, And that's kind of normal. Um, They can um, maybe say, oh, I'm going to get back to you in, in, you know, two weeks and that never, they never get back to you or they get to you back to you in like six months. And this is very hard to deal with because people, you know, I tended at the beginning to go like, oh my God, this, this, they don't like me. They hate me. You know, they ignore me. I'm not worth it. But it is just how the industry is. It's just like there is a definite number of minutes in a day. Uh, and it is the unfortunate truth that, you know, as an, unknown writer with whatever project you have, you're going to be at the bottom of their list. Like they might absolutely love you as a person, have a meeting, love you. And then simply they got stuff to do, right? Uh, And it is not about you. You know, it might be about you only if you send a very unpolite email or, you know, if you send a dear and then kind of bulk email and, you know, that doesn't really work. 
But I have, I'm a spreadsheet person. I kind of keep track of everything I I do and now. And I have a pretty solid 5% response rate to cold emails, which means that if I send out 100 emails, uh, uh, this is this is what happened when I was trying to get an agent, right? You know, I, I I sort of went with the let's try everybody that can work approach, uh, which is this is worse for the US um, because there's a lot of people out there um, and like 5%. So out of 100 people, five people got back to me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the same things happens, you know, sort of all the time. It, it changes when you have a relationship. So, you know, if, if you if you start kind of having a relationship with people, they will get back to you sooner. Uh, but yeah, so polite reminders, like, you know, I have a, a three sort of like one email and two reminders kind of policy. So, and, and I wait months between those things, right? Yeah. Uh, but if, if people don't get back to me, uh, even then I don't really take it personally. It's just how it works. Mm. That's it. That's really it. I mean, it's so. not, it's not the same industry, but I remember I interviewed a woman that run an art gallery and her, and her, she actually works on the principle of the first time she gets an email from someone she doesn't know, she might make a mental note of it, but she's never replying. So if somebody's saying, come to my art show, it's going to be great, you know, cause they want to get a show at her gallery. And for her, it was the third email she gets to them telling them that they're doing something else will be where it's registered. Yeah. So in a way, I mean, it's a long game, but you could be inquiring about your third screenplay with the same agent and suddenly they yeah. go, hold on a minute, this is the third time and it's a different project. Yeah. So it's not personal. It's just how it works. You know, it's just like a numbers game. Uh, and the first thing was, uh, forget about. Working in development is probably the best. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, if you I'm going to be very brief, but like, I think because becoming a working writer, you know, and getting paid for it, it it's so hard. And, you know, uh, I think that if you can do at least just even like one year of work in development, which means either a script reader or as an assistant to development exec, even more, or a script editor, you know, you will learn. So the benefits of those things is like, first of all, you learn what in what producers like people that pay writers want mm. you learn what they're looking for and especially you're going to make contacts in a way that you're not the person asking for something right mm. you're going to make contacts with people that sort of matter but when they get to know you you're not a writer you're like a peer right so in, in you know you get to establish a little bit of the relationship and it's sort of like in my opinion this this might be wrong but it's kind of a given that a script editor might have a script, you know, and then you just have to wait for the right moment mm. to sort of, you know, when you have a sub connection. But, you know, if you have to earn money somehow, maybe that is a good way of earning money to start earning money because you learn so much about screenwriting. You know, if, if I could, I would have. That. If I known this, that's the road I would have taken. Right. No, no. That's... Um, and it might. Yeah. And what I wanted to say was like, it might not work for everybody. You know, it might, it might be that in your city, there isn't a production company that you like that you want to work with. Or, you know, the downside of this is that it's going to take a lot of time and energy to work in development. So you might see that you don't have time to write. Mm. But even if you do it for a couple of years, the amount of industry knowledge that you get 
it's so much. It's so worth it. So I would say, and you get paid. So <laughs> no, no, no. And I think I think if that's not if that's not being sort of taught at film school, then it's, it's it's sage advice, really, because I've heard I've heard it elsewhere on podcasts. You know that that get to be a writing assistant, get to be this. You know, be alongside the people that are doing it and meet the people that are getting things made. You know, that's going to build your relationships much better and more concretely than than trying to get someone's attention with a cold email, which obviously still is a method, part of the hustle. That doesn't stop. But obviously, if you can meet people and just be having coffee with them because you're working on the same project. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this is the advice I'd give myself. <laughs> sound, sound. Now, um, the next two on the list of things that you wish they'd taught you at film school is writing actual scripts is only a tiny part of the job and being original is almost impossible. Yeah. So um, I think... To be a writer, to, you know, so you have to write a script, right? This is like your first step. The first thing you it's have to do. It's a given. It's a given, right? But when you start sort of like, when you have like your samples, you know, let's say you have, either if you're a general writer, let's say you write horror and you just want to write horror, you have like your two, three samples, you know, a pilot, a feature, whatever. But at that point, when you sort of like has a piece of, have a piece of writing that you've proven really worked, then most of my time actually is spent either uh, prepping like other docs that you need. So like one pagers, uh, pitch decks, outlines, treatments, you know, uh, and doing applications for things that are good for you. Uh, So residential competitions, all of the things. And also a lot of time is writing. I spend a lot of time writing emails to like people that are in my spreadsheet. Let's say, you know, if I have a new script, that is like days of me going through my emails and like, oh, this person has read the script or they haven't read that script or, you know, they might be interested in this new idea or not. And that takes time because, I, you know, I go back and see, okay, what did I email them last? You know, have, you know, so I, I try to be very specific and that takes time. So I write right now, I do write, let's say, a couple of, you know, proper screenplays every year. And mm-hmm. that's, that's not a lot of time that I spend actually writing a screenplay. The rest of the time is doing all these other things, you know, because basically the screenplay, unless you want to sell it, you, you say, okay, you know, I want to write 20 screenplays and flood the market and try to sell them, right? That's the strategy. There is a guy, there's an article about that, like wrote, I don't know, 20 screenplays in two years, something like that. Um, but my strategy is not like that. And, you know, it's pointless to write full screenplays once you've proven that you can actually write, you know, once you have a sample with your voice. Uh, and the other one, remind me, sorry. Being the original thing. is almost impossible. Oh, that, that is very, I mean, it's like, it's the internet, people. Like, it, you know, in the 1800s, well, let's say, you know, 50 years ago, uh, there might have been another film out there that had a similar idea, plot, whatever to yours but how many people would have seen it you know how how much can you like google something and say oh this this is the same thing as mine you know but right now when i have ideas i always like google them and sometimes i find that there is an actual another film that I mean, it's, has it's already gone happened. on for centuries i remember i was at Cannes talking to a south african filmmaker and i was telling him about my norwegian horror film and about the legend yeah. folklore that i was drawing on that was from norway yeah. And he went, we have exactly the same story in South South Africa. Like, 
right down, but it was yeah, but exactly. the, the two stories were not connected. And this is like from centuries of like stories that are passed on from family to family. And they had exactly the equivalent story, but in a South African setting. But so, you, you wouldn't have connected with a South African person, you know, 100 years ago or no, 50 true. years ago. You wouldn't have had that, like pre-internet, that connection would have been really hard to make. You know? mm. So I think it is a reality that right now, like anything you write, the pool of people that might have done the same thing is basically billions of people, right? And there is a chance that somebody sees and it's like, oh my God, there is that South Korean show that has done exactly the same thing. And that happens, you know, mm. that is simple because people tend to write the same stories that happen. So it's sort of like hard to accept because still people want you to be original. Mm. Uh, and in a way, just kind of like, if it's very hard to be original, you know, just accept it and try to put your teeny tiny spin on it. And it's basically how you frame it, you know. If, I was going to say, like, hopefully, you original, find that original means what does Stuart, what does Eleonora sound like? You know, it's like... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Exactly. You know, that's the thing that's original because I can't be you and you can't be me. So we've got to exploit what we've got. Yeah, but you know, it just it just might be hard that you maybe worked on a script for like two years and then something comes out on your YouTube channel or whatever, and it's like oh, oh I see what you're saying. So you know, don't 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 get too downhearted if something comes along which no, is no, your no. prize. I, it happened to me so many times, you know. It happened to me that I had an idea and I told like my, my agent, and like two days later she goes, Oh, but you know, there is that movie that has done exactly the same thing. I'm like, ah. Oh. So I move on. What I do is like I move on. I, I move to so, the next. So in terms of in terms of your the 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 writing actual scripts of Tiny Patty Day Job, just going back to what you were saying before about about having your spreadsheets. So from a from a timing point of view, what have you found worked from the point when you send I'll, we'll finish this point because it's something I wanted to pick mm. up. When you when you send out that first cold email and you've got your two reminder policy that you have from the yeah. when you send that first email, when are you sending the reminder and when are you sending the second reminder? If six you, weeks. That, so six weeks to the for the first reminder, and then six and weeks then to the a month. Yeah, another six to two months. That's like normal timing. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I just think for the listener, just to understand that, 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 that this plays into your other part, which is it's a long game. You know. Yeah. As much as yeah. you've got to be patient and handle rejection, also. I had emails getting back back to me in six months. Like I had six months between my email that I sent out, and then the producer came back six months later. Was like, I'm sorry, I just got back. To, you know, I, this was like in my folder. I just needed to get back. So it's like. It's normal, mm. you know. Uh, when you start actively working on them on a project, it changes. But if you're not on a project with them, it it, it takes time, yeah, you know. Yeah, and also, like they might not they might not reply to your like two reminders on that specific question, but they might get back to you if you come, you know, if you come back later with another project or another thing, then they might get back to you to that one. Mm. So if they keep not replying, then. Yeah, no, we all. There's a difference. I mean, there's don't bother them anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's a but it's a good thing if you if you're going to send someone three emails where you've given them more than enough time every time to reply, then 
it's probably not worth losing any sleep because if it, cause, and also not putting too much um, value on them as the next step in your career, as it were. No, no. Uh, yeah, I always tell myself like, beware of what you wish for. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's it's a hard rule that I have. Like, I I did this mistake in the past. Like, I kind of worked with people that not that I didn't like them, but I didn't know who they were just for the sake of like. I need to do something. I need to produce something. I need to get something out there. Mm. And because I didn't know them before, it was simply that we didn't click. They were like awesome people and awesome professional. We just didn't have the same style. Yeah. But I was working with them and I had to work with them and I had to finish the project. And it's like filmmaking is already so hard that you want to be working basically with your best pals. That's that's your goal. Absolutely. Right then. So your next, your fourth pairing of things you wish to taught you at film school is being consistently productive is the best way to get noticed. And the best thing you can do to advance your career is to finish a long form script. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like slow and steady wins the game kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find that for me as original writing, I try to have a new piece every year. And I know there are people that like write much faster than that. Uh, and, you know, but for me, I, I, I write quite quickly, but, you know, it's the time that it takes to actually, you know, write the script, send it out, get feedback, write another, I mean, well, like course, a yeah. finished Polish thing. I know that, what you're that, talking about. I know what Because you're... I think there is a, there is a, yeah, exactly. There is a fine balance between sort of like, so let's put it this way. Until you have that first piece of writing that kind of, and I, I don't mean like a first draft of the first script, right? I mean, the first script, that is finished enough and good enough that you can send out to people. Yeah. There are two different things. Okay. Yeah. 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 But you know, uh, when you're like confident and when you receive good feedback and then you have that first piece of writing, that is what you can actually, and I, and I say long form because unfortunately, again, when I did film school, they were like, Oh, do a short film, put it into competitions. They're going to get an agent like short films. They don't get you anywhere. It's simply because everybody, you can do a short film right now. You know, 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, you needed a camera, you needed, you know, a lot of stuff. Now you can just, I know it's boring, but like, I'm not even saying get a phone, but even like renting a good camera, it doesn't cost as much. No, as no, no. I, 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 mean, I mean, I think as well, you know, film is a director's format and short film can be a director's calling card, but it can rarely be a yeah. writer's calling card. No. So at, for a writer, you need that long form. And for long form, I mean, like either a pilot or a feature film, mm. uh, depending sort of like what you prefer. But at the same time, so let's say, okay, you've got your amazing script right now and you start sending it around to agent producers, whatever. And maybe, you know, super lucky, it gets picked up, um, amazing, produce, you win an Oscar, great, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, what yeah. might happen is that some, you start getting connections, start getting responses, and people will ask you, okay, what else have you got? And if you sort of like write something new and, you know, and you can send something new to com- competitions and stuff, it kind of keeps you relevant. So this is why I try to have one original thing. And a good thing about writing is that it doesn't get old. You know, you mm. could have a 10-year-old script that maybe you're not pitching out as much, blah, blah, blah. But then... Maybe you get the right producer that is looking exactly for that and you can like pick it out of your um yeah, dustbin or whatever mm. and dust it out and send it to them. So like writing never gets old, you know? Mm. And the more original pieces you sort of like collected, 
the better it is. And it's also really good. Like, you know, you, you have relationships, so you, you cannot send, keep sending them the same script again and again. You have to say, okay, I've done this new thing. Are you interested? You know, and even if they don't want that new thing, they are aware of you as a writer and it keeps those connections. So I, in my opinion, writing is like a tool to get the connection because at the end of the day is the connections that are going to put bright on your table. Mm. And also, like you say, the, Without the single long-form script, never mind the multiple ones, no one's ever going to be able to judge your ability to write until they can see that long-form script that you've done. No. I mean, it's a harsh truth, but ideas and talent are very cheap. Everybody has them. Yeah. Like, everybody has an idea. But the thing that people want to see is, like, actually that full script, feature script, and how good it is. You know, they need to hear your voice and they need to be able to know that um, you can hold, you can hold that length. You can, you can hold that structure. You know, you can do the whole thing. I mean, I've got, so, I've got a script that, that in that sort of never expires sort of mold. In its in its lifetime, it's been a period drama set in Manchester. It's been a contemporary story set in New Orleans. It's been set in Detroit, and now it's back in Manchester as a contemporary story. Just kept develop. I mean, it just yeah. kept developing. And when you go back to it with a fresh pair of eyes, you can you can yeah. see other opportunities. And it's still your script, so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so there is no such a thing as wasted writing. Never, never. Um, In my classes, I always say, like, remember that somebody pitched Sharknado and it was a huge success. So you never know. No, no, no. I know like, you know, the film about sharks. Yeah, okay. yeah, very much so. Yeah. Well, and the, and the rest of them. I mean, there's a whole, yeah. there's a whole industry of CGI there's a franchise. Sharks. What, I mean, I've what, what, what was your, I presume, did you do a first feature script while you were still at film school or is it something you did after? No, no, I had the first feature, um, which is in my drawer because it's, you know, it's uh, it's like massive budget, sci-fi, Star Wars level of budget. So <laughs> come back to that uh, another like, day. Yeah, it's it's a good story, but oh, I need to be like you know a little bit more, um, you know, advanced in my career to pitch that one. Cool. Right then, your final two are. Uh, short films will not make your career and competitions are a tool, not a goal. Do you want to talk to those? I mean, you've already touched on the short films. Do you want to expand on that? So, I mean, I think short film is sort of like, a, if you're starting, so let's put it this way. If you want to be a professional writer, you don't have to do short film. Mm. Okay. There's no hard rule that you have to do short film. You can sit down and decide to, and when I say professional writer, I, I mean like, film or TV, you know, because that's what I sort of do. Yeah. But there is radio, there is theater. So there is a, a lot of other kinds of, you know, there is gaming, there is VR, there is a lot of other mm. kind of writings. But um, you don't have to do short films, right? But it is a good way to start out because, put it very simply, you know, um, if, if you have a not so good short film, that's going to be, what, two weeks of your time and you learn and you get feedback mm. on that. Uh but as you very rightly say, you know, short films are a director's tools. So they're really good if you're going to be a writer-director. They're really good if you sort of like want to build relationship with directors, you know. So, you know, I've, I've written exactly. a few short films. Some of them I directed. Some of them I had other directors direct. Um, but you, it's very, very unlikely unless, you know, it's an extraordinarily well-written short film or it's, um, you know... Um, yeah, it's, it's very good. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking that. out loud. I think, you know, you could, if you're a comedy writer, for example, 
you could do yeah. a, you could do a brilliant comedic gag, which obviously short film is set for. So you could you could yeah. at least practice, but it becomes practice as much as anything else. I mean, I I remember my yeah. first short film, it got just edited as an assembly edit when it was when it was first shot, and there was a big chunk yeah. of it, and it was a really simple idea. It was a more or less a monologue had written, so it was like a talking head moving, but but over a space of time. And the guy who did the the rough edit got rid of a lo- just forgot a chunk of the filming. But when I watched it, it made no difference. So it was almost like I learned how much more efficient it could be just from that little that little experience on the film. Yeah, I, I find that like short films for a writer, uh, in a way, like they're a really good exercise. Um, if you write short films and you sort of like give them out to direct, you know, then this and this film then exists, then you know they're going through the festival so it's really good for like your networking and social media life and all of those things you know so you know do them i don't think that short films nowadays can get you an agent unless they're like incredibly good and they mm. want like you know if you write a short film that wins a bafta then by all means they're gonna get you an agent yeah but all the other like you know people who get their short films selected to the whatever festival that's good, but that's not going to advance your career that much. And in competition, so moving on to the competition thing. So I have entered like, I think by now, hundreds of competitions. And definitely I would recommend it. Like, you know, do it, especially if we're starting out, do it. But I won three competitions uh, by now. Yeah. Um, and even though I do think that I would have not gotten an agent without like all of my um, achievements... Because, you know, of course, they look at the CV and they go like, oh, she plays here and there and there. Uh, But I think competition are like just a tool, right? So I'm going to tell you what competition are good for, for me. Okay, so Mm. the best thing that competition do is that they tell you how good a script is. So if you send your script to like 10 or 15 competition and I, uh, you always go for the early birds entry like there is no point in waiting and spending more money for it so like you know you submit it to 10 competition you never you don't place not even once hmm. it means that the script needs more work because like ah, you know if you place finalists or quarter finalists or semi-finalists you know you know that that script is starting to get good enough you know you don't have to win like winning is just luck hmm. it's just like down to taste but so i use competition as a tool, first of all, to like gouge where my script is at. Uh-huh. And if it just gets to quarterfinals and semifinals, I know it still needs more work. Uh, the other thing, of course, that competitions do is, yes, they, they are like a talking point. So every time that I place like in finalists or, you know, high enough, well, finals up, um, I would like look at the judges in that competition and say, hey, I was a finalist. Uh, you probably write my script. Do you want to have a conversation about it? So that's just like another way of like networking. Oh, that's interesting. And I know that, yeah. Uh, and I know that like some people who won or placed, you know, uh, especially like in like the bigger competitions, you you get, you get approached. Like I know a person, uh, a good friend of mine, she got her manager and she didn't even win the competition. She was just like a finalist. But mm. what happens, especially in the US, is that managers tend to be judges on this competition. And they're basically using them to like recruit writers. So you never know. It's a little bit like a chance, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's all, I mean, I've seen the same thing with with independent production companies. It's a, it's a, it's a good sift 
especially if you go if you're yeah. if you're a genre producer and you're at a genre writing competition, you're getting a filtered system on a lots of scripts, so you don't have to read the draws. Exactly. So you know, it is it it is worth the money. Um, I'm just going to do a little bit of a plug. Uh, if if you so this is for US competitions, but uh, I think most of us know Coverfly by now, and yeah. uh, I think they're really good in what they're doing. Uh, and they have a lot of free resources, and they also have a waiver fee fee waiver program. You know, mm-hmm. you have to prove that you can't afford entries. Uh, but what, what happened to me is because like spreadsheets. Uh, by now, I think the money that I want through competition is sort of like paid back yeah, <laughs> for yeah, all well my done. competition entries. So <laughs> you know, it kind of worked out well enough for me. Um, but yeah, it's and also the other thing that competition do, and then I'm gonna stop. They give you something to to look forward to, you mm. know. If you if they give you that little dopamine of like I'm a quarterfinalist, I'm a semifinalist, you know. And and as you know, this sometimes can be a very lonely industry, and it kind of helps you build that community. And then you're gonna see the same names, you know. If you're in screenwriter Twitter as well, you know, you're gonna see like the same twenty people, sort of like because you know them and they they place as well with that script and you kind of so it's a really good nice moment of like connection you know you know some some competition they do something you know they actually get you somewhere but i would say never enter a competition thinking oh my god i'm gonna win i'm gonna be famous yeah no 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 i think that's sound advice well look we've got to the end of your uh your five (laughs) times five bits of advice of things you wish you'd done at film school i'm just going to re re go through the headlines of of the of the of the 10 things that was we had the first pair was net networking is a long-term game. Getting an agent is just the first step on the ladder. Then we had working in development is probably the best day job for a screenwriter and coping with rejection or silence is an important skill you'll have to learn. Uh, writing actual scripts is only a tiny part of the job. Being original is almost impossible. Being consistently productive is the best way to get noticed. The best thing you can do to advance your career is finish that long-form script, whether that be feature or pilot. And then short films will not make your career. They can be useful, but they're not going to make it. And competitions are a tool, not a goal. I mean, that's a that's a brilliant, brilliant thing that you shared there on Twitter. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you about it in more detail. Thank so you. thank you. Um, no, it was very lovely. You know, I it was it was a very spontaneous kind of Twitter thing. You know, and and it's 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 been very lovely to be able to prattle a little bit about it. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's interesting it's, as part of, you know, I, I think social media can be obviously a cesspool of horribleness, but I've been fortunate enough with the podcast to to find the positives in the islands of of goodness that are in that are on Twitter somewhere. So I'm glad we've been able to have this conversation. You've said you're doing some work, but I didn't, what, what kind of scripts are you writing? What's your, what, what, where is your passion? What passion, what sort of stories are your passion? <laughs> so, um, I love genre film. Like, you know, my love is fantasy and sci-fi. Uh, and most of my samples are that. But when it comes to like my working life, I'm a bit of a genre agnostic person. Like, you know, uh, I think writing is a craft. Mm. So um, I'm funny writing in like very different genres. Like, you know, I've got sci-fi, I've got a teen drama. Uh, I got a sort of like, thing and the one that I can talk about is in a completely other genre as well this is just like stuff that I'm actively working on you know yeah 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 uh, but yeah my heart is in like YA genre stuff so 
And just and just as a thing that just as a as a from a fan from a fan of that, then what would be your what's the thing that you wish you could have written if you could have had your screenplay by you? What YA film would uh, would be the Ooh, would be the what, one you'd love to have your name on? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, everybody says that, but I think Arrival is like definitely like one of the best sci-fi films of the century, probably. Um, I agree. Uh, there is a. There is like, I think it's a Polish movie, which I saw recently, which I don't know if I, I could have never written that, but it's just like stuck in my mind. And it's called something, it's never gonna snow again or something. I don't remember the title. And then I'm a massive fan of Arcane, which is like a TV show that's come out recently. Mm. Uh, So like, I've been like stalking (laughs) executives from that show, kind of going like, yeah. So maybe in the 10th series, I'm going to have like a credit. Um, but no, all of them, probably like all of them, you know, the, the, the list is very long, like Sandman and all of them. <laughs> well, look, thanks for sharing that with us. And thank you for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast. No, thank you so much. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.